Welcome to the Beyond Woman Conversations, where we share space with some remarkable women, women who are willing to share their experiences with the hope of enabling other women to move beyond societal or self-imposed limitations and more into owning who they are. In becoming who they are, they will divorce themselves of others' thoughts, others' opinions, others' values, and begin to create their own. And then they will live life free and unencumbered. Join today's conversation. Today we're talking with Dawn Marie Petgrave. Dawn is a member of the Jamaican Psychological Society who holds a master's degree in Christian counseling psychology and degrees in education and theology. Dawn is a trained teacher and has been an educator for over 15 years and a beauty mogul for more than two decades. She is currently pursuing studies in forensic psychology. Dawn is also a talented entrepreneur and motivational speaker who is the CEO and founder of D. Marie Institute Limited and founder of Life Care Center. She has done extensive workshops in mental health, psychological first aid, trauma and grief, and much more. She also facilitates corporate workshops in customer service, professionalism, corporate grooming, and balancing mental health and work life. Her training, education, and professional experience combined with her winning personality exposes her clients to a dependable, detail-oriented, and multi-talented professional who enhances the success of all her projects. All right. Well, welcome to another Beyond Woman Conversation podcast. Actually, it's the first conversation for 2023. And today we're talking with Dawn Petgrave, as was said in the introduction. Now, Dawn is no stranger to the Beyond Woman. Dawn has been on our mm -hmm. platform on many occasions. She has appeared in our magazine, our fourth edition. And today we're just continuing the journey with Dawn and having this conversation about life interrupted. Now, when I thought about the topic, there was no other person that I thought about but Dawn because of the many situations, many transitions that Dawn have had to go through. And it would have caused probably the best of us to end up somewhere that we don't want to. So Dawn is here to share with us about the many things that she has gone through, the transitions that she has had to weather. And just for us to get some tips from her on how to maneuver ourselves during difficult times. So welcome, welcome, Dawn. Um, Thank you. As, as I said before, the topic is life interrupted. And, but before we get into the meat of the matter, I just want you to share with our audience a little bit more about you so they can get to know you. Yes, so I am from rural St. Catherine in Jamaica and, um, you know, born and raised. I went to St. Catherine High School, which is in Spanish Town. And life was very humbling. You know, I come from a very humbling background where, you know, you have the toilet outside, the bathroom outside, the kitchen outside. It wasn't until I graduated high school and went to Kingston to live with one of my sisters that I had inside bathroom and inside kitchen. So very, very humble beginnings. Um, 
my family, you know, I was raised poor. There many days we didn't go to school because there were four of us in high school at the time. My sisters were twins and my brother and myself. And so we would literally flip-flop days. If the twins went today, my brother and I went tomorrow, you know. Oh. Um, but I must say, though, Jackie, when I look back, I think it is those experiences that has given me the strength, you know, to, to weather all the storms that I've gone through because life has taught us how to survive, you know, and that's what my early days have done for me. They have taught me how to survive. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, sometimes we shy away from these kinds of things, you know, we don't talk about the, the early days and, and the, the, the not so pretty, not so sexy things that we had yeah, to do. Yeah. As we get older, we recognize the importance of those days, those experiences and how they contribute to our life in the present. So we want to talk about life interrupted. Dawn, you, you were married and you got divorced. Yes. You had a really booming business. Demary Institute, yeah. and you had to close the door. Yeah. And there are so many other things that you have gone through that we're going to get into. So let us talk right. about what interrupted and, and, and just share with our audience how your life, a little bit more about how your life got interrupted. Let's start there. Yeah, so we'll start with the divorce because I think that kind of precedes, you know, COVID and everything else. Um, so I was, in fact, married, um, and then about 12 years, 2016, so about 12 years into the marriage, I realized that um, if I really, really want to be alive, I think it's best for me to end this. And, um, and so I started going through the separation and divorce process, which would have lasted another four, almost five years, but the divorce final in November 2019. And... Um, during the time of going through the divorce, you know, for, I mean, this is a very vulnerable time for you. So um, my children, they're going through their own thing also. And so I wasn't showing up a lot at my office. My most concern were my children, ensuring that their mental space is intact, or at least helping them to cope with, with how, you know, how they were being affected because everybody was being affected differently by the separation and then divorce. And so during that time, a young lady that was working with me had the opportunity to steal over $3 million. So here I am already going through this costly process. And now I'm a single mother with three children and somebody that I thought was, was honestly looking out for me and helping me. So there were days when I would call and say, I have to stop by the kids' school. And, you know, and she would say, oh, don't worry, I'll check off, I'll do this. And I just thought, you know, she had my back. So, you know, God bless her, wherever she is right now. I hope she put the money to use. But that happened. And then the divorce was final. And so January 2020 came and I thought, you know what? Let me use this time to reset. And then March came. Wow. And the government says no school. And I thought, as the world, that you know, I think we all thought this was going to blow over in a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. But then it wasn't blowing over, still hasn't. And then we had to close amidst all that I was already going through. So, yeah. 
Okay, so you, you mentioned that you got divorced after 12 years. A uh, trusted employee robbed you pretty much. And then you had to close your business, your baby. Um, no bread and butter, that was it. That was, that was the only income because prior to the divorce, there were two incomes, you know, and then it, it yeah. So I want to take you back to that moment when you had to close the doors. How, how, what was that emotionally for you, mentally for you? We know the social aspect in terms of being able to take care of your children and stuff, but how was it for you um, otherwise? What was you know, um, let me tell you what broke me during that season. So we're trying to transition to online classes, right? So our programs are very short. So for the makeup, it's one day per week for eight weeks. So I'm thinking March, that same week, we would have just started a new cohort, just, just started a new cohort. And I remember a student literally just, just cursed me out. Like, um, you know, she was just saying that, miss, you're acting like everybody have computer and man on a computer, I'm a PM school fee already. And, and I'm saying, but I didn't cause COVID, you know, like I didn't. Yeah. And, um, and then persons who had completed their studies in February were now calling about certificates, but there was no mail. All our certificates come from London. There was, there was nothing happening. Oh, oh and I couldn't God. get people to understand that. And so I was getting all these text messages you know, I'm a PMA school fee, I'm a warm certificate. One, one, young, one young lady um, wrote that, Miss um, Petgrave, you blighted my life. You blighted my life because no, you know, apparently she got an offer to go overseas and she needed a certificate. And, and then what made it worse is the fact that eventually we had to close because you're now paying rent a lot of money for a space that there's no income coming in so when persons could start moving around persons were going there so though we've been trying to email students and tell them everything is online i remember one girl going there not seeing the sign and obviously we ran off with her money and so I had to deal with all of that, you know, people telling me, calling me a thief and I took their school fee and I could not get people to understand that COVID is affecting everybody. So that, I think that right there, I remember saying to one student, this is, this is my entire livelihood. Have you ever stopped for one minute and just wonder how Miss Petgrave is doing? Like, like it, 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 and I just couldn't believe how selfish human beings are. And it made me even check myself. Have I been selfish to people? Because I tell you, Jackie, none of the people that I was there for all these years, nobody was there for me, nobody. And so I recognized that if I wanted to survive this, I needed to be quiet. And so I finished with that cohort and I just, I just ended it. I just ended it. I logged out of social media. I logged off of WhatsApp and I just got quiet because now I needed to know 
who God wants me to become from all the struggles that I've been through because it wasn't one. It was just one after the other, after the other. And then a couple simultaneously, you know, how do you remain strong in all of that? And I got quiet because I needed to hear from God. So I'm, I, well, I can't even say I'm getting, it is obvious that it was emotionally draining. Absolutely. Absolutely. And being a woman of God, a minister, yeah. how, how, and, and you lost everything. How, everything. Did, did it did it cause your faith to how, how did it affect your faith and and your faith? you know jackie that is such a powerful question because i think i had the reverse effect i think many persons thought i probably would have given up or i i knew for a fact that god loved me too much to allow this to ruin me so i need to figure out what do I need to learn from all of this? You know, so I went on soul searching, okay. um, you know, and so for me, what it did, it drew me even closer. It drew me even closer to God. And, and this is why it's so important that, you know, as individuals, we know who we are because I was never attached to the things that I've had. Those things never defined me. I was never defined by the Marie Institute. I was never defined by a marriage. I am a child of God. I am a daughter of a king. So even when all those things have to go, does that change who I am? And it didn't, you know? And then there was a story that I was reminded of. And it was when the woman, the woman went to Elijah and she was telling him that, the, the creditors are coming to take her sons because she owe money. And, and he said, well, what do you, what do you have in your house? What do you have left? And she had a little bit of oil, you know, and she didn't think anything could have come off that. And that scripture just kept haunting me, kept haunting me. And I recognize that your future is not dependent on what you have lost. Your future is dependent upon what you have left. And so I started search it done. What do you have? What do you have? Number one, I still had my life. I still had my life. And I was grateful for that. Right. And then the second thing is that I have had a master's degree in psychology for God knows how many years, but I've never walked fully into psychology. So though I speak, though I teach, though I, you know, encourage people, I have never um advertise myself as a mental health provider never and so i started looking well what is happening to people within this time i mean there were many persons going through depression there were so many mental health issues and i think that's when the world woke up to understand the importance of mental health so i started paying attention to that and um one morning in my devotion, I was studying the life of, you know, of Solomon and I, and I was saying, you know, God, why am I even studying Solomon? Solomon rich and wise. And, you know, I can't relate, especially not right now. I can't relate. And it was so clear, Jackie, I could hear the spirit saying, Solomon built my tabernacle first. And I said, God, what are you saying? You know, I'm a Christian. I go to church. What are you saying? And it was so clear then. 
people are hurting and all the prophecies that went over my life regarding mental health. I remember in 2017, a gentleman prophesied over my life and he said, God has sent you to Jamaica to broken professional women. And that is why he had to break you. So all these prophecies are now making sense. They're now making sense. What am I supposed to do? And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to start a counseling center. And I'm like, but where? I ain't got no money. Oh. <laughs> so um, the following Sunday, I went to church and uh, my bishop was saying how the church need help. And, you know, they want to do more community work and they're looking for workers. And I was just like, oh, here is what I can do. I can help with mental health because persons are coming in for prayer. There were so many things. And so I did a, I did a proposal. And so the name that came to me was the Care Center. And when I shared the proposal with my bishop, he said, oh, my goodness, this is exactly aligned to what God has been showing me. And he goes, OK, well, right I want you to pause right there because I have to interject. Yeah, I'm listening to you. And I'm so amazed because a lot of times there are opportunities around us, but rather than us looking for the opportunities, or as you said, going, yeah. I'm always saying, get still, because it is in stillness that clarity yes. comes. Absolutely. Just to hear you using your experience, the situation that you're in, and you going quiet, and then you remembering that you have a psychology degree. Yeah. In a yeah. time when a lot of people were going through a lot of emotional turbulence Absolutely. you capitalized on that opportunity and the reason why i stopped you is because i wanted my audience for it to sink in that perspective yeah, of which situation you're in whether it be good or bad there's always if, it, if it's even a good situation there's always more if it's a bad situation there's an opportunity to capitalize there's purpose yes so go there's ahead purpose Yes. Yes. And so and so, Jackie, um, and just even just just to reiterate what you're saying, because, you know, somebody may be listening and they probably feel, oh, well, well, you know, that's not for me. Look, we have to understand that every one of us were born with a purpose. Jackie, I can't do what you do. Only you can do what you do. Nobody can do what I do. You understand? And so we have to understand that there's purpose. Purpose cannot die. So when the storms are raging around us, does that mean purpose ends? It doesn't. And a lot of time, the, the adversities that we are dealing with is dropping clues. But we're so focused on the negatives that we miss. Yes. We miss the clues. We miss what it is saying to us. We we miss the facts of life that that particular situation is teaching us. And so, um, you know, my bishop was saying to me, "Well, find a space on the on the church compound, and you know, see what we can do." So the one room that was available. Because, of course, I'm thinking of somewhere that is quiet, confidential, away from the crowd. And that was on the main office, which is a part of the Bible school. Well, guess what's the name of the Bible school? Life. So the center is called Life Care Center. Awesome. And, awesome. Um, I reached out to my friend Kiki. You, you know Kiki. And, um, you know, I was sharing and Kiki was like, 
queen, I've been telling you forever, you need to walk into psychology. So she was excited about this. And through her, through her program, Real Life TV, God bless her, through her program, she was able to get us everything that we needed to set up that that center. I'm talking about furniture, air conditioner from ATL, I mean, you name it. And so life care centers started. But what was also happening simultaneously is that this was also a part of my healing, you know? So it didn't mean that I wasn't hurting. It didn't mean that the struggles have lifted and they're gone, no. It just means that my energy shifted and while I was helping others, I was also helping me. And so, um, you know, we had an amazing launch and still have been able to help many persons who are unable to, um, to, to pay for counseling. But something more magical came out of that. So once I started the center, there were, there were situations that were coming to me which now required a psychiatrist who's a medical doctor, because now we're dealing with persons with disorders. I'm not allowed to write medication and make prescriptions. And so I started searching deeper and I'm like, all right, um, you know, what else is here in Jamaica? I just never researched. So I started research. So I came across JAMPSYC, the Jamaica Psychological um, Society. And so I applied and because I have a master's, I was able to get full membership. So I have a full membership. And then I started researching further. And I'm asking a couple of people, do you have a license? Do you need a license to practice and stuff like that? And then I found out, well, there is actually a thing. <laughs> you need to be licensed. So I applied for my psychology license. And then I found out that I needed to do 2,500 supervised counseling hours. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, here we go, you know. But when I applied for the license, there were so many hiccups. I just wasn't getting any feedback. So I went to the place one day and the lady said to me, you know what? Here's an email. Just write to this person and explain what's happening. The email, there was no name, so I don't know who I'm emailing. The email said advocacy at Jamsike, right? So I sent an email. And the person responded, asked me to trans so, um, you know, send my transcripts and all these things. And I'm like, well, we don't do all of them. There's something there already. But nonetheless, I did it. Chopping up the story, I, I requested a conversation. Please, can I have a conversation with you? Because I wanted to know why I wasn't getting the license and stuff. So anyway, she said to me, we, she, she called me and she said to me, she introduced herself and she said, well, your master is missing a course called psychopathology. And that is the study of disorders. And she said, did you do it? I said, no, I didn't do that. Because remember, I went to Bible school. And so she said, you're going to have to do that. And I'm like, where on earth am I going to find a college that is going to allow me to register to do one program and not apply for their degree? Well, found out I could do it at JTS right and so i enrolled in the program to do that jamaica theological seminary right so when i when i registered to do the course i recognized that the course was a part was a part of the masters in forensic psychology degree so i got a little bit more curious you know this is right in the midst of everything going on in my life short of the story 
this lady, Dr. Margaret Barnett, has become such a dominant force in my life where that same conversation, I was talking about something about forgiveness. And she said to me, she says, you know what, young lady, I'm going to have so much work for you. And I'm thinking, this lady don't even know me, right? This is on phone. We don't know each other. Um, and so chopping up, I am licensed <laughs> and I've completed pretty much a second degree, um, a second master's in forensic psychology. I'm just submitting my thesis now in the midst of all the adversities and what some would consider the worst period of my life. In addition to that, I'm able to restart the Marie Institute on a building that has my private practice on one side and the Marie on one side. And so I'm just, I'm just humbled and I'm just grateful for the quiet season. You can't hear God when there's too much noise going on around you. And we have to be okay with stepping aside, right? Stepping aside to listen and waiting to hear what he's saying to us. You mentioned something about forgiveness, and that is my next question. But before I go there, I want you to speak to the fact that, you know, we live in a society that we're driven by a quick fix. We're driven by not wanting to wait. Yeah. But all of this that you have gone through to where you are, share with us how long did it take? And did it seem long? And talk about how things just fell into place seamlessly. Just briefly. Okay. All right. So patience really, really is a virtue. I know we hear that and it's so cliche. Yeah. And especially for the millennials, this is something that I I worry for them because they were born in the information age where you just type in something in Google and you get you get a response, you touch a button on your fridge and ice come, you, you, everything is quick, quick, quick. So nobody understands process, right? And so it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy journey. It's very humbling as a matter of fact, it's extremely humbling. And you have to be, well, I'll speak about me. One of my friends said to me the day the last young lady literally just cursed me out and told me some just some things that was so hurtful. I was with a friend and he said to me, he says, B, right now you are sitting on the floor, figuratively speaking. He says, you're, you're a queen, but you're not sitting on your throne. You're sitting on the floor. You still have your crown. Allow yourself to be humble enough to sit on that floor and learn what you need to learn because it does not change is the fact that you're a queen. But right now, your, your, your chair is not available. And I love that. I love that. And so I was willing to not care what people think. I was willing to humble myself. I was willing to, to, to go work for someone. I mean, mind you, I've had a business for God knows how many years. Can you imagine now having to go and take orders and, and I mean, just, and I was humbled enough to just 
do whatever it will take because I know, Jackie, I know, like I know, and I keep saying it, I said, God, if you are, if you're not fixing this, it means that you're allowing it. If you're allowing it, who do I need to become? And I was willing to sacrifice Dawn to become the woman that God has called me to be. Amen. All right. It was, it was not easy. It was not easy at all. Um, and so I took a job at Jamaica Theological Seminary and I'm working as the dean for the Sixth Form Pathway Program. But hear what was happening. There were a lot of broken young people. So I just started counseling. I just, I just started counseling. And so my days would fill with, I would spend my mornings doing counseling and then I would spend the rest of my afternoon doing my work. So a lot of times I start bringing work home because people, my friend friend was telling a friend and a friend was, go talk to Miss Petgrave, go talk to Miss Petgrave. I have parents calling me that somebody else's parents tell them, come Miss Petgrave, should we talk to the boy for you? And so I started just talking with a lot of people and there was no additional monies or anything like that. I didn't care about that. What I cared about was I needed 2,500 hours <laughs> to right. get this lesson. And I saw it as God was making a way Imagine. for me Imagine to, that. Do these, to do these counseling sessions. Right. And so I spoke to Dr. Barnett about it and um, she became my my counseling supervisor. So I would bounce, you know, we have what's called case conferencing. And so I would share some of the cases and then she would send me a lot more cases, which ended up bringing in a little bit of income. Right. And so now I'm saving up as much as I can. And then and again, Jackie, I'm telling you, purpose cannot die. So though the last thing on my mind is to reopen Demary, the last thing I'm just like, I've spent 25 years in the beauty industry. I think I've, you know, I've just done my time. Dr. Barnett one Sunday called me and she said, when are you reopening your school? So I said, what? And mind you, a year has passed and I still have not met this lady. This is, yes, we have not met in person. I thought you meant she, okay. she said, I'm, I'm reading the Sunday Gleaner and I see where JISA, Jamaica uh, Independent School Association, of which the Marie Institute is a part. So JISA was reporting how um, schools that were doing well and, and were affected by COVID and had to close and stuff like that. I didn't see the article. She saw it and she was saying, if just I talking about it, it means that what you had was a lucrative business, you really need to. And I'm thinking, no, I, I don't I get too much cross out and to go back or deal with all of that and people use you. And so I left it alone, right? And then a year passed and um, we're in a meeting and it was a webinar for Bible colleges. And one of the instruction that they gave on the webinar was that many Bible schools were struggling financially. And so they are encouraging presidents of these institutions to start renting their facilities so that they could bring in. And I'm sitting there like. I'm listening to you and I am overwhelmed. God is yeah. so good. God He's so strategic. I'm He's telling you. Oh my God. This is Jackie, unbelievable. 
Like seriously. So I got off a webinar, you know, and I called the president and I said, Dr. Thompson, did you hear what I hear? And he said, Mrs. Pettigrave, I hope everybody else heard that. Because you know, when you come to church schools, churches are really not businesses, so they don't really jump on business ideas and stuff like that. And for a whole week, I got to work about 6.30 every morning, trying to meet the traffic with the commute. And I would just look around the campus and I would just sit in my car and look around the campus. And then one day I was walking to the back of the campus. I was with my son and there was a house and there, there were two big trees that covers over the house. So the whole atmosphere is just quiet and surreal. And, and so I said to my son, you know what? If I should start by DeMarie, this, this is where, and he goes, and he goes, I think you could transform this. Wow. And so, and it's so good that your children are a part of your dream, that you involve Absolutely. them in what you're doing, because he knows my heart. He knows my love for people. And so, um, you know, I was talking to Dr. Thompson, who's the president of, of Jamaica Theological Seminary, and he was saying to me, Ms. Petgrave, why don't you just choose a space, choose a space at the front, you know, and, and I was like, no, the building at the back, and he goes, but it has tenants, and, you know, we give them notice, and we don't know when they're going to come out, and something inside of me just, I've already waited for so many things, so I'm just like, if it's mine, I'm going to wait. I'm just, I'm just going to wait. And I told him, I said, if I'm supposed to start at Marie, that's the space. And I waited and I waited. And then one morning, um, I went around the building and I saw the tenant and I introduced myself. I had on my JTS shirt and she said, oh, you work at JTS. And I said, yes, but I'm the one that's waiting for this space. And she said, oh, what are you going to do with it? And I said, do you know DeMary Institute? And she says, yes. And I said, well, I want to restart. And she goes, oh, okay. Well, guess what? You said, by Friday, I'm going to leave. <laughs> and so you reopened the The tenants moved out and I got the space. It was, it's two sides, it's one big house, but there was two tenants, a smaller side, a bigger side. I transformed the smaller side into my private practice and the bigger side into the Marie Institute. Um, Jackie, look, you know, if anybody sees the building now, they're probably gonna believe, oh, she probably have one $5 million put out somewhere. I didn't even have the deposit. I did not even have the deposit. I just, I went back on my knees and I said, okay, God, find the space. No, you need to send the money. And I got a call from a friend who said, um, there's this company he's doing some work with and they need somebody to teach customer service. And I said, okay, how many employees? He said about a little under a hundred. I said, I'm not teaching a hundred people one time. They're going to have to break that up in four. For me to be effective, I need I needed to break up in four. And so I submit an invoice. And, you know, we have to understand and believe in our value. You have to, you have to believe that you're worth it. Yeah. And so I sent them an invoice. And guess what happened? They accepted the invoice. 
You should have, you should have sent more. <laughs> I should have sent more. They accepted the invoice and I was able to pay the, you know, the, the one month rent, the deposits, buy the front, buy the material to start the renovation because now I have a house. I need to transform a house into a counseling center and a beauty school. And um, I'm telling you, man, when the Bible says without a vision, the people perish, it is so true. I honestly believe it's because I already had the vision for what I wanted that all the doors just kept opening. Um, and so we have officially started DeMarie, restarted DeMarie Institute January 9th. 2023. I mean, this is this is this is so awesome. And that is why I strongly believe that when we're going through challenges, we mustn't complain. You know, no, we mustn't complain. And while we're going through challenges, we really need to open ourselves and allow the opportunities or what God is how God is directing our footsteps to come come to us. Because look at it for a while. If I were in your shoe, I would be saying, oh, Lord, why me? And, you know, that kind of thing. Because it, it, it took a little while. But God is so faithful. He is faithful. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what you go through. When you, when, when you stay faithful and he shows up in the way that you expect him to show up, the way that yeah. you've been wanting him to show up, it's going to be, like, so awesome. Yes, yes, um, yes. And you know what, Jackie? The Bible tells us that um, God is, and I'm paraphrasing right now, God is going to reveal his, his deepest secret to people who are, who are the most connected to him. Yeah. If you're not my friend, I'm going to walk up to you and share my secrets with you. So many times we don't, we don't know the will of God for our lives because we don't spend enough time seeking him and intentionally searching for him you know searching for his ways and allowing him to penetrate our pain because many times we focus our attention on the pain the things that are going wrong and if i could just interject right here how the mind works right so you have the conscious mind and you have the subconscious mind the purpose of the subconscious mind is to put form to whatever the conscious mind gives it. So when the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. If all we think about are the problems and the frustration, the subconscious mind does not know that that's bad. It's going to give you more frustration. You understand? So if we shift our focus a little just just try to shift our focus a little to the better things the fact that we still have life the fact that we, we still have health and and be grateful life will send us more things to be grateful for and if everybody can grab that believe you me it doesn't mean problems won't come but it means that you will survive better and you'll know how to deal with it and you'll know how to deal with it absolutely so um that that was that was a lot that was a lot but within all of that there were so many takeaways right i want to touch briefly on on the divorce briefly because we want to get to the good stuff like not the good stuff but other stuff 
others. Yeah, the divorce is not a good thing at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? The only reason why I'm going back there, however, is because I wanted you to talk about how you were able to move beyond, let go of the past and, and, and forgive so that you can move forward. Absolutely. So forgiveness does not mean restoration. And I think this is where many persons struggle with forgiveness because we feel that if we forgive an ill that someone has done to us, we still need to be with them or to, and that's not what forgiveness is. The second thing we feel that if we forgive, we're freeing the person of what they did to us. No. Forgiveness liberates you. That's what it does. It liberates you. And you can't move on. You cannot move on until you have learned to let it go. So I read this quote and it says, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. But if you drink poison, you're going to die. All right. And what unforgiveness does, it develops toxins in the body. And many times those toxins create disease, which later on forms diseases in our bodies. Um, so I already had an understanding of all of that, right? And I think my understanding of forgiveness came years prior to my divorce. Um, 2005, I think it was about 2005, I found out about an affair. Um, I'd had speculations and stuff like that, but I've asked about it. And of course, you know, the denials, you know, you're insecure. What are you talking about? Da, da, da. And I, you know, I left it all alone. But then the confessions came and this person was confessing, my ex was confessing things that, details that I didn't even want. And I remember, getting in my car it wasn't it was it was late one evening when he came home we came from church and he just started confessing a lot of things and what preceded that is the fact that i started having dreams and i was sharing the dreams with him and i think the dreams were now so real that he started confessing and so i got in my car and i just started driving until I didn't know where I was. Thank God for GPS, because that's how I found my way back home. I just I just got on the highway and I kept driving until I saw an exit and I, I saw a gas station and I pulled in the gas station and I wept and I wept and I wept. And I'm like, God, I'm a good person. I'm a good wife. And I'm telling God all the things I am. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? And there was there was a sense of peace. Like, I can't describe it. There was a sense of peace. And I felt in my spirit that God was telling me that where he's taking me, all of this is preparation and that he was allowing it. And I'm like, you're allowing me to be broken? And I just thought it was so unfair. And then some of the persons that were involved were people that I go to church with. So you can now imagine, you're going to have to go to church and look at this one particular person that I've had so many speculations about and you denied for so long. This person who has been in my home, you know, hug me, hang out, spend time with my kids. And, and I'm thinking, I will survive this. But that was when the Lord reminded me of all the things that he has forgiven me. 
And the Bible says, if you do not forgive men their arms, your heavenly father will not forgive you. And I wanted God to truly forgive me. That was important to me. And so I made a conscious decision that, you know, I'm going to forgive this. And so I wrote letters. I wrote letters to the ones that I knew of. And I told them that I forgive them. And um, the letters were a part of me releasing all of that. And so I made a decision that I was going to tell anybody. I wasn't going to tell anybody in my family because, you know, what God put together and let no one put asunder and for the good and for the worst. And I just felt these were the worst times. So you don't run when the worst times come. You try to work it through. And, um, you know, shortly, like literally the week after all of that went down, I started getting sick a lot. I went to the doctor they gave me antibiotics. Um, and so I just thought it was just stress from the trauma that I'm going through and not talking about. But a week later, one of my girlfriends from church said to me, you need to do a pregnancy test. And lo and behold, there I was pregnant again. And in my head, where am I going to go now with two and a half children? You know, I already have two and now I'm pregnant with one. Where am I going to go? You may as well try to make this work. And so for years, I continued to try to make it work because I, I love my husband. You know, I, all I wanted to do was to be married and have babies. Like, that's, that's all I wanted, you know. But I recognize after years of years of years, that hurting people hurt people. And you can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. And that was why it was easy for me to let it go. Because I know that hurting people hurt people. And Philippians 4 verses 6 to 8 talks about whatever things are true and good and pure and honest and, you know, think on these things. And I shift my thinking and I start thinking of the good in him. And that's what got me through. I started looking at those things, you know, um, and recognize that chances are he had his own childhood traumas that he has never dealt with. And, um, but it got to the place where I felt the season was over. I felt, you know what? You broke me. I think you have done your job and now it's time for me to move on. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I hope someone who is listening who, you know, probably have a similar experience will get um, the valuable mm -hmm. insight. I mean, you're found in scripture not all of the listeners will be but nonetheless the fact right, that, right. the fact that you believe in god and you believe in what his word says if you don't forgive then i can't forgive you know and that as a christian i believe that that alone should cause you to want to do the right thing i love your yeah. well not even do the right thing because when somebody's broken like no i have i have um you know clients that come to me who dare, who dare me tell them to forgive when you're dealing with a molestation case, a rape case, a domestic violence, who dare me tell them to forgive? You know, where would I get that authority from? So I am saying this because it's not easy to forgive. Of course not. It's not. Of course not. It's not, but I want, if anybody can get anything from this, just understand 
that your healing starts when you learn to let it go. Does that mean you're never going to forget it? No, that's not what it means. Does that mean you're not going to have flashbacks sometimes? No, it means that you have made up in your mind that you are going to take back your power from this person. That's what that means. You're going to take back your power and you're going to turn the power inside, inside of you because you're worth it. You're worth it. You're absolutely worth it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So, I mean, I'm listening to you and I, and I know you and I always love your spirit. So I want you to tell us what is it? If there is one thing that guy, like a life motto for life that causes you to deal with your situations as they come, what would that be? What would that Jackie, look, the one thing for me is that for God so loved the world. God love me. I love my children. If I correct my children about something, it's not because I'm trying to hurt them. It's because I love them. Right. And I use that analogy in my head all the time. If I am going through, if God is allowing something to happen in my life, it does not mean that he doesn't love me. He loves me. And I'm hanging on to that. And I continue to remind him, I know you love me. So show me what I need to learn. Show me what I need to change. You know, what? what is it? Is it me? Is it me doing this to me? What do I need to change? All right. So I think, I think that's it from me. I just, I just, I got baptized when I was 15 years old. And that was one of the first things I learned is that God loves you. And God loving you does not mean that you're not going to go through trouble, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. What are some of the tips that you can share with uh, the women who are listening, just as a guide for life, whether personally, in business, however, what, what are some of those tips that you can pass on? All right, so, you know, not just for women, but just in case you may have a guy who may pop on here and, and want to listen in. Um, every day you get up, you're teaching people how to love you. So I think we need to become um, clear about how, how do you want to be loved? You can't love without self-love. And Jackie, you would be amazed how many women do not love themselves. And um, I would be, I deal with women. So I don't think I would be surprised, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah. So we first have to love us and be okay with loving you. Be okay with loving yourself. Be okay with taking care of yourself. You know, last week, Sunday, the 22nd to be exact, because it was my son's was Serge's birthday. He was 18 and I was giving somebody a ride home from church. And I didn't know the lady. She came and somebody asked me if I could give her a ride. And, you know, of course I said, yes. So I was just saying, oh, it's my son's birthday. And he's 18. And she looked at me and she goes, wait, so... If your son is 18, that means you're more than 30? You know it. So, so I started laughing because I just think it's funny. And she said, and she said, hold up, what is your secret? And honestly, Jackie, this is the secret to life. It's love and gratitude. Amen. If you can come from a place of love, your action changed. The way you react, respond to changes. And then if you can learn to be grateful, even when all hell is broken loose, 
breaking loose around you. If you can find things to be grateful for, I guarantee you life will send you more things to be grateful for. You know, um, as women, we don't we don't even begin to understand the surmount amount of power that lies within us. We are nurturers. We were born to reproduce. And so if we just learn to tap into that innate power, it's called intuition. If we just pause long enough to tap into our intuition, we can become so much more powerful. Um, Kofi Annan said, when women are empowered, all of society thrives, not just your home, all of society. And I think as women, we spend so much time becoming jealous of each other and finding faults with each other and tearing down each other, not understanding that if we just come together and start putting our energies together and building together, what a difference, not just, not just our communities, but what a difference this world would be. And so to, to my sisters, embrace your authentic self embrace the power that is within you and allow god to teach you how to use that power awesome awesome don share with us what what is your happy place music okay music without a doubt you can't touch me you cannot touch me when i'm playing some music okay and so different different genres for different situations okay? okay so in between clients i give myself a 15 minute space because i have to find some form of equilibrium when i'm done with and so for that i have this playlist that i use for that it's literally just indian flute all right, or I might do a mindfulness exercise. And what that does, it, it brings me calm and brings me back to equilibrium, okay? So that's for when I have to do therapy. Yesterday, I had a session, you know, sessions are 45 minutes. I had a session that run almost three hours and I could not stop the individual. I just, I just allowed them. When that was finished, I couldn't talk to anybody. I could not let anybody in my space for an hour. I had to turn off the lights, light a candle, light an incense, shut the door, put on some flute and just sat there. So I could even just detox, you know, some of what I just listened to. Um, if I'm having an extremely rough day or if things are just out of whack, I'm gonna put on something that is gonna cause me to dance. And believe it or not, it's not gospel music. Because when I put on gospel music, I cry. And then I want to cry. So um, I love me some Glenn Washington. I love me oh. some. <laughs> and look here, I dance like it's nobody's business. All right. Um, so yeah, music is my happy space. It's it's what keep no matter what I'm doing. If I'm studying, I have music. If if I'm teaching a class, there's something playing in the background. Music is my happy place. Awesome, awesome. I think it is for me too, and dancing. I'm actually going by a dance school in a short while to start a program in February. Pray for me. <laughs> 
But I've always, you know, that is just one of the things that I've loved since I was a child. My last question to you, Ms. Petgrave, is who would you most likely want to meet and why? Oh God, without a doubt, Tyler Perry. Like, without a doubt. Why would I want to meet Tyler Perry? As a matter of fact, I would love to write a movie with him. So Tyler, if you happen to be seeing this, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but yeah, Tyler Perry, listen, I love- Listen, listen, no kidding. Tyler Perry, if you happen to be watching this podcast, <laughs> Dawn Petgrave wants to write a script with you. <laughs> listen. Yes, I would, Jackie, I would love, love, love to write with Tyler. Um, I love the fact that he's spiritual. I'm not talking about religious right now. I'm talking about he's spiritual. He's very public about his confession of faith to God and his belief in God. And um, I like that. I like that about him, that he's very unapologetic about that. I love the fact that he always gets back up, you know? Um, and that reminds me of me. I don't see staying down there as an option. It's just not an option. So if I find myself right back down there, I am just looking up and looking for the ways to move forward. And, and that's what Tyler represents for me. I love the fact that he's a go-getter. Um, I love the fact that he's a visionary. I love the fact that he's hardworking. And most of all, I love the fact that he loves people. And, and for me, that's important because I love people. Like my life's motto is to educate and to empower. And I saw you hear these actors, you know, Taraji P. Hansen, you hear them talk about Tyler paying them the highest, um, you know, in the industry. And I would love, love, love to meet Tyler. <laughs> awesome. I mean, this, this, I could go on and on with you. I could honestly yeah. go on and on with you. Um, but I really want to thank you, Don, for saying yes to the first conversation. And I think we've started with an impact already. You have given Absolutely. us many takeaways. And um, I mean, I, I, I don't, as a matter of fact, that's just my experience with you. So it's not even, I can tell you, tell my audience that you are the real deal. <laughs> and um, I just wish you immense continued success and God's favor on you and on what you do. Thank Clearly you. his hand is right there. Guide, Absolutely. You know, and that is one of the things um, that I just want to highlight that some of the yeah. times we need to just let go. There's a song, Let Go and Let God, right? Yeah. There is yeah, a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just and need to take him at his words. You know, we just need to take him at his words. Like, like a little child. It's like yeah. a little child. If you tell your child you're going to bring home ice cream, they are expecting you to bring home ice cream. And I think this is why God refers to little children so much because they are literal. And that's, if God said he's going to provide, he is going to provide. Sit and wait and, and you don't doubt. And you don't, and you doubt. don't doubt. And, and, and you, everything started for you when 
you know, this whole divorce. And let's fast forward even beyond the divorce. When you had to close doors and you went through the transition, it, I mean, you close your doors in what, March of 2020? And you had to sit out all of that, sit out yeah, all of that. Three years, right? Three years, Jackie, three years. And in addition to closing the doors, it's not that you close the doors and all the business loans went away and all the, oh no, oh no. It means now you don't have an income and interest are going on those things and the bank is calling you and the tax office is calling you and everybody's calling you. And it is enough to sink you. It's enough to sink you. And, and you know, if, if, if it's just one thing that anybody listening to this podcast can get is you are worth it. You are worth God's love. And he's waiting with open arms to give you an amazing life. The Bible says um, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are so much higher than our ways. And if we could just understand that there is a higher being, whatever you want to call it, for me it's God, but there's a higher being that will grant you your heart's desire. And you know, it's funny because I remember in the Bible where Jacob wrestled with God. Yes, I will not let you go until you bless me. That's right. I, I, and I'm saying that sounds like your story. You were not letting yeah. go. You were not letting go. Anyway, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful conversation as always. Thank you again, Dawn. And thank you for having me. For, for saying yes. And like I said, I wish you all the best in everything that you do. So take care. Thank you. Have a great day, Jackie. Bye.